Now, we're in week five of our series, Decompress. And uh, in week one, uh, you know, we, we talked about uh, lightening the load. You know, the whole series is about reducing the pressures and the, the stresses of life. Because, uh, you know, many of us, it's a, it's a national ap- uh, epidemic where people are carrying around and they're loaded down with all kinds of weights and worries and fears and stresses and all this stuff. And it's affecting our quality of life. And um, God wants us to live an abundant life, a satisfying life. But we can't live that kind of life if we're carrying around all this weight all over the place. Amen. Remember me telling you that story of me spending the morning at the hospital carrying that bag. And by the time I got to the third or fourth place, my arm was about to fall off and my tongue was hanging out. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I got to set this bag down. And I think some of us were carrying too many bags around and our tongues are hanging out and our arms are about to fall off. Can I get a better amen? And so if you want to live a strong and healthy and vibrant life, you got to decompress. Amen. And so in week one, we talked about lighting, lightening the load. And Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me if you're weary and you're burdened and I will give you rest. And, you know, I've learned that you can't continually drag weights of life around without it robbing you of strength and vitality. And then in the second week, we talked about reducing emotional stress. And sometimes the greatest weights in life are not the physical weights, but they're they're internal weights. And we talked about three emotional killers that will stress us out, and they are worry and fear and grief. And some of us are, are carrying that stuff around, and we need to unpack that. And then in week three, we talked about reducing relational stress. Now, I think there was about 10 of you here for that. That's whenever we had the monsoon storm out there. You remember that? But, you know, we talked about there's two kinds of people in the world. There's troublemakers and there's peacemakers. And troublemakers are like arsonists. They go around starting fights everywhere. You just leave them in a room with people for long enough and they're going to have a fight going on. And then peacemakers are people that have a way of calming and stopping relational fights. And so then the question is, who are you? Are you a peacemaker or a troublemaker? Don't, don't raise your hand right now. Just, you know, just, uh, just answer it in your mind. You know, and we said that, you know, if Bob has a problem at work and Bob has a problem in the neighborhood and Bob has a problem at home and Bob has a problem in Little League field, Bob is the problem. Amen. He's an arsonist. He starts fires everywhere. But I believe that Jesus don't want us to be troublemakers. He wants us to be peacemakers. Amen. And remember, the Lord promises that he will bless. God blesses those who work for peace. Amen. And then finally, last weekend, Sister Tonner talked about overcoming overload. Didn't she do a great job? She did an awesome job of just uh, talking about overload, and she fleshed out three really important principles. And the first one was, we need to establish healthy boundaries with people, and then we need to guard them. In other words, we need to learn how to say no. You can't come over right now. Come on, somebody help me say amen. amen. Principle number two, she said, make and keep as a priority the things that really matter. In other words... Start living your life on purpose and invest your time and energy in what really matters. 
And then principle number three, she said, make rest a habit. We should take the time to refuel and refresh. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. It's in the top 10. Amen. And so those were great principles, weren't they? And they will help us reduce and decompress from an overloaded life. Now, today we want to talk about another one of those bags we carry. And it's the burden of financial stress. That, did that burden ever visit your neighborhood? You know, decompressing from the, from the financial burden of stress is really important. So I want to talk to you about financial peace and why do we need to deal with financial stress? Well, let me, let me tell you why. Every day, a thousand people file for bankruptcy because of financial problems. The number one cause of divorce is financial stress. The average person by the age of 28 has $66,000 worth of consumer debt, creating a financial crisis in their life. Financial stress is the primary cause of robberies, violent crimes, and even murder. Financial stress is also the primary cause of health issues, such as high blood pressure, chronic fatigue, elevated cholesterol, and heart disease. So the bottom line is financial stress is a problem that is robbing us of a peaceful and joyful life. You can't enjoy life if you're living under financial stress. And so we need to deal with this. And I want to give you three truths concerning financial stress that we need to remember as we go through the message this morning. And the first one is financial stress is sometimes unpredictable and therefore unavoidable. Like, for example, those that are experiencing the financial stress of the all-field downturn. That's creating some stress, right? And those folks know about the unpredictability of financial stress. The scope and the magnitude of the, of the oil field industry downturn right now is, is, is unprecedented. And it's, it's, it was unpredictable and unavoidable. But it's causing tremendous financial stress on hundreds of families, especially right here in Lafayette. Amen? The second truth is this. Financial stress is no respect of persons. It affects anyone and everyone, regardless of your education, your race, your age, your financial status in life. It don't matter. So in other words, the wealthy experience financial stress. The middle class experience financial stress. And the poor experience financial stress. No one is immune to financial hardship. Anybody and everybody can experience financial hard times. Am I saying the right words here this morning? Do y'all agree with that? And so financial stress is an equal opportunity offender. It'll, it'll visit anybody. Amen. And then the third truth is financial stress can oftentimes be predictable and avoidable. Although many times financial hardship is unpredictable, many times financial hardship is predictable. And I'll explain more about that in just a little while. But let's first talk about financial stress being avoidable. Can financial stress be avoidable? Well, I think many times it can. Sometimes it can, it can sure be avoidable. So let's talk about three ways to avoid financial stress. The first one is this. To avoid financial stress, you have to, number one, practice the principle of financial stewardship. Now, stewardship... What that means is being responsible to manage something valuable that's been given to you. That's what stewardship. You got to be responsible 
with something valuable. And when somebody is in stewardship, somebody gave them something valuable and said, would you take care of this for me? And so, you know, as Christians, God requires us to be faithful stewards and requires us to be responsible in overseeing and managing the finances he does give us. And by the way, he does give it to you. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Now, faithful means you gotta, you got to do a good job. And God requires faithfulness in managing our finances. And so if we're going to reduce the financial stress in our life, we've got to be good stewards. We've got to be responsible with what God gives us. You know, I, I'm just thinking about this, but you know, they surveyed people that win the lottery, like 250 million and all that, and most of them are broke after five or 10 years. Why? Because they're not faithful stewards. They just, they just go through it like it's butter. And so listen, it doesn't matter how much you got, it's what you do with it. Amen? And so three practical ways to be responsible with your finances. Number one is control your spending. One amen over here. Thank, thanks you for that amen. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Somebody feel that's their calling in life, to spend whatever they get. The characteristic of the unfaithful steward is he can't control his spending and he spends everything he gets. And the main problem is not that we spend whatever we get. Here's the problem. The problem is when we spend more than we get. That's the problem right there. Amen. Listen to this statistic. The average American spends 136% of their income. <laughs> so let me help you figure that one out. 36% more than they actually make. That's what they spend. Which, by the way, puts them in serious debt. The number one cause of financial stress in life is really having too much debt. It's really not, it's really not complicated. The number one financial stressor is having too much debt. And the more debt you have, the more financially stressed you become. Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. So the more debt we get into, the more enslaved, oppressed, and stressed we'll feel. Does that make sense? You see, so the main key to getting out of debt now because it's the main cause of stress, is according to the financial analyst, the best way to get out of debt is to avoid using credit cards and start paying cash for purchases as much as possible. You ever notice that it, it hurts more when you use cash and it's less painful when you use the card? You ever notice that? And so the question is, have you ever wondered why companies are so eager for you to get their credit card? In fact, that happened to me Sunday, uh, not Sunday, but this last week, I went to get Tanya something uh, for Mother's Day, and, and they said, do you have one of our cards? And I said, no, I don't. And they said, well, I'll give you 20% discount if you just apply for a card. I said, where's the application? Because you see, I know what they're banking on. They're banking on people get their card and they'll spend over their limit. But I'll just pay that bill and tear up that card. Amen. Amen. 
and I'll be glad about 20% discount. That's a great discount, isn't it? And so listen, now the average American has 16.7 credit cards in their possession. (laughs) Debit cards, credit cards, store cards, fuel cards, cards. Dave Ramsey says we need to do a placectomy and cut up our credit cards. Amen. I was just thinking about this just now. I heard this joke about, uh, you know, this this uh, somebody stole this uh, lady's credit cards. And about three weeks later, she went to the bank and said, I'd like to cancel this card. Somebody stole it about three weeks ago. And she said, three weeks ago. Why didn't you come in earlier to cancel this card? I mean, that thief could have been, you know, putting all kind of stuff. She's like, well, actually, I've been tracking it. And the thief is spending less than my husband's been spending. (laughs) That's pretty good, isn't it? So another practical way to be faithful steward with your finances is to strategically plan your spending. And Proverbs 21.5 says this, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So in other words, you got to plan. Plan your spending means to, you have to learn to live on a budget. Now, a budget is a bad word in our society today. Because a budget is a spending diet. And and it tells you money where it's going to go instead of your money telling you where you're going to go. Amen. But, you know, somebody once said that we don't plan to fail financially. We just fail to plan. We just fail to plan. And so, listen, I encourage you, if you don't, if you don't have a budget or some sorts of a budget, hey, listen, I know this, that if you spend more than you make, you're going to be living under financial stress. So the first thing we got to figure out is how much do we make? And then we got to figure out how much we're spending. And listen, how much we're spending has to be less than how much we make or else we're going in the hole. We're digging it. We're digging it. The dirt's flying. We're digging our hole. Right? And so, you know, listen, budgets. You you know, I encourage you to go online. Google it. You can find stuff. There's probably an app for that. You know? But I encourage you. You know, listen, you know, if... If you want to make some headway in 10 years from now, it doesn't happen through osmosis. You got to plan your spending. You, you got to figure out where you want to go. Amen. And you know what? Listen, I'm just thinking about this, right? I, I'm, it's, I'm getting revelation while I'm speaking here. What qualifies you to get more is being faithful with what you got. That's what Jesus said, right? Amen. Come on, y'all help me preach. Amen. A third practical way to be responsible with your finances is develop the spiritual quality of contentment. Amen. Now, listen, contentment is learning to be satisfied with what you got and not needing to buy every little thing your bitty eyes see. Amen. And trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know, somebody said, don't keep up with the Joneses. They broke. <laughs> Amen. And so 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, let your true godliness with contentment, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world. We can't take anything with us when we leave it. No no U-Hauls on hearses, right? 
So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Content is learning to be satisfied with what you got. And so much of our stress in life is self-inflicted from not being content with what we have. And, you know, there's three misconceptions that create discontentment. And the first one is this. Having more things will make me more happy. And the truth is, you can't buy happiness regardless of how much you have. Right? We know that's true because we see it played out every day. As we watch the news and see what happens to those that are wealthy that jump off bridges and take their own life. No amount of money can make you happy. Misconception number two is having more things will make me feel more important. And the truth is our self-worth doesn't come from our net worth. Amen? Our self-worth should come from our understanding of who we are in Christ. Amen? And so we need to, we need to derive our self-worth from who we are in Jesus. Amen? And then the third misconception is having more things will make me more secure. I'll be safe. Money can and will only bring a false sense of security. The Bible says money can, can develop wings and do like the little bird and just fly away. Proverbs 11.28 says, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. So the bottom line is our contentment and satisfaction in life has to come from being rightly related from rightly related to God. We can't be spending money. We can't go shopping to feel good about ourselves. Come on, are y'all with me out there? I don't have to have a bigger boat than my neighbor to feel good about myself. I need to feel good about myself because God created me, loves me, and I get to go to heaven when I die. Amen. Amen. So to recap, the first way to avoid financial stress is to be a faithful manager and overseer of your finances that God has already given you. Practice financial stewardship. And again, let me say this one more time. You know, we say, man, I wish I'd be like some people. They inherit a million dollars. They, you know, they get this boatload of money, man. I wish that could happen. Do you know the average, the average person, if they got a boatload of money, they would, they would waste it. They would spend it frivolously because they lack stewardship. And so I think first things first, let's be responsible with what God has given us. And not worry about what we don't have. Let's worry about what we do have. Amen. And remember that principle. That he who is faithful with little will be given much. Amen. I want him to try me out on much. How about you? Amen. But first I need to be faithful with what he's given me. All right. Okay. So the second way to avoid financial stress is to prepare for the predictable and avoidable financial hardships. And you remember whenever we just first started, I said one of the truths about financial hardship is that financial stress is many times unpredictable and unavoidable. But sometimes it is predictable and it is avoidable. And here's what I mean by that. By planning for future expenses, we can avoid unnecessary financial stress and hardships. The air just left the room. 
Are y'all with me? And I'm not sure that our society gets that. Isn't it true that most financial hardships come when we have unexpected major expenses or expected major expenses? Sometimes they're expected. So listen, it's those major expenses, expected or unexpected, that cause major stress in our life. You know, I I look at it like this. It's kind of like we're living right here and somebody puts a brick on our head. And we can't breathe financially anymore. And so these major uh, expenses sink us financially many times. Money Magazine says this, 78% of the population will have a major financial expense within the next 10 years, which they will not be prepared to handle. 78% of the population will have a major financial expense. In other words... It's pretty safe to say we'll all have a major expense in the next few years that we're not prepared for. So now, why is it that these major expenses create such hardship? Well, it's because we're not prepared for them. We haven't adequately prepared financially for them. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6 says, Take a lesson from the ants. From who? From the ants. You lazy fellow. (laughs) Man, you hurt my feelings right there. Learn from their ways and be wise. For though they have no king to make them work, yet they labor hard all summer gathering food for what? The winter. So you know what Proverbs is telling us about the ants? Even the ants are wise enough to save for the future. And so I think we can all avoid some financial stress by preparing for predictable financial hardships by saving for the future. Now, I know, I know, I just heard somebody in their mind say, but what if you don't have enough money? Here's what I want to say to that. Have you heard the saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will come? I think whenever we get our heart right and when we understand the principle God can give us creative ideas and ways to start saving a little bit. Amen? I don't think the problem is not that, is that we don't make enough. I think the problem is that we don't understand the principle of saving for the future. You first have to get that principle down, and then I think God will give you a strategy to figure that out. Amen? Now listen, I'm not saying you're going to be a millionaire, but man, you might be able to buy that tire for cash. Amen. Come on. How many of you to say, praise the Lord for that? Amen. So here, let me give you three go saving go suggestions. Number one is save for the unpredictable emergencies. The ones that you can't plan out. Okay. Like when you blow out a tire or your washing machine goes out, something like that. Save for those unpredictable financial hardships. Cause you know, this is what I believe. First of all, Jesus said in Matthew 5.45, it rains on the just and the unjust. I mean, just because we're serving the Lord doesn't mean that we're not going to have problems. Amen? I mean, I don't care. Christian or non-Christian, that Maytag is going to go out one day. But, you know, I think, you know, I think what, what we need to realize is that, listen, all these mechanical things, they're not going to last forever. 
I mean, just, just common sense says, if that thing keeps spinning every day, all day, all the time, eventually he's going to give up the ghosts. Amen. <laughs> Come on, y'all help me out out here. Isn't that true? Okay, so, I mean, let's make it light. Let's, let's have fun with it, right? But number two, so save for predictable or unpredictable emergencies, but save for predictable expenses like insurance premiums, down payments for a new car, new tires for, for a new car, school tuition, those kinds of things. You know, I heard somebody say, man, Christmas snuck up on me again. <laughs> oh, man, it snuck on me. Hey, here it is. Christmas is here. And, and, and so I think that we need to save for predictable expenses. And remember, 78% of the population will have a major financial expense within the next 10 years. And then the third one, so we save for unpredictable emergencies, save for predictable expenses, and number three, save for the future. A financial report says that 95% of the population will never get to retire because they have to keep working until they physically can't work anymore just to pay their bills and survive. Because people are not worrying about tomorrow. They're just worried about today. And I know economy stuff and it's harder. But I think, you know, given enough uh, tw 20 years, 30 years, if we can see that we're get going headed that way, lest the Lord returns and then we then we debt free. Amen. But if you don't, I've had people tell me, I ain't saving for the for retirement because the Lord's going to come back. And now they're in their 60s and 70s. I want to encourage you to begin preparing for predictable and avoidable financial hardships by saving money. Because just having a little bit of savings can greatly reduce the financial stress in your life. Does that make sense? And then the third and final way to avoid financial stress is to keep your heart free from the control of money. Sometimes the reason we're so stressed about, stressed about our finances is because we're being controlled. And because we're trusting too much in our money and we're not trusting enough in God. And that's why I believe, you know, people that have a lot of money, you know, in fact, the Bible says, you know, if you have a lot of money, it's going to keep you up at night because you're so worried about it. You, you get so, you think, man, if I would be like the rich neighbors, I would be, man, I'd be, you know, sitting on the back patio, cooking some, some meat, just enjoying life. No, that dude's over there worrying about who might take his money. So it doesn't matter whether you have a lot or you have a little. You can live stressed out about money. And so whether you have a lot or a little, if, if, if your heart is not right, you'll never get out of financial stress. You'll live under financial stress. And sometimes, listen, sometimes the reason why we're so stressed out about money for some of us is because we've lived through so much hardship. Like the people that have been through the depression. I remember, man, when my grandmother died and we went through her house, she kept those little metal bread wrapper things. She didn't throw one of them babies away. She had a drawer full of them. Every 
every bread wrapper. She kept everything. I mean, she's the first hoarder on the planet. It was my grandmother. But you know what? This is the deal. My grandmother came through the depression when they didn't know whether they would have the next meal or not. And it created in her, you know, it went beyond being frugal. She couldn't throw anything away because she was just, she got gripped with fear that we might not have nothing. And you know what? The, the, the reality was she was provided for all of her life, but yet that traumatic experience allowed money to grip her like she shouldn't have been gripped. Does that make sense? And so listen, you know, sometimes we have financial stress because we're being mastered by money. And we're good people. We love Jesus. We're going to heaven. But the reality is we're being mastered by money. And you know when the Bible, on the dollar bills where it says in God we trust, you know why it says that? Because money has a way of making you its God. Come on, that wasn't a good enough amen right there. Amen? Isn't that true? So this is what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now listen, when the Bible says you'll hate the other, it doesn't mean like you hate, I hate them. I love money, so I hate God. It means you just won't like them as much. It doesn't mean hate like we know it. So he says there in Matthew 6, either you for you will not like one as much and love the other one more, or you will be devoted to one more and, and not be too crazy about the other. But you cannot serve both God and money. You can't do both. And so the reality is you could go to church and do both. You can be saved and go to heaven because it's not how much you got or you don't have. But you can be ruled by money, even though you're a good person. And so I believe what Jesus is telling us here is that you can't trust God and money at the same time. You can't do both. Here's what we need to know. The love and the control of one, God or money, will rob you of the love and control of the other, God or money. So if you trust in money... It will rob you of God's peace and spiritual freedom in your life. But if you put your trust in God, it will protect God's peace and you experience spiritual freedom, keeping money from getting control of your heart and your life. Amen? And so you can't experience God's gracious peace and freedom in your life as long as you're relying on, depending on, trusting in money more than you trust in God. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. And so that's why I think that people that don't have a strong relationship with God, although they got a, man, they got banks full of money and they sit at home worrying about it. And I'm thinking, oh man, go on a cruise, you know, <laughs> go see the world, enjoy your life. You got all this money. But if you're, if you're mastered by it, you're going to put your hands over it like this and you're going to watch over it. And you're going to die and your kids are going to fight for it. Come on, somebody just got motivated to go on a cruise this morning. I'm going on a cruise. They ain't going to fight over my money. Amen. 
Amen. First Timothy 6, 17 says this. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. For our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Doing By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Man, that's a great passage of Scripture right there. And in this passage, Paul gives us the solution to keeping free from the control and love and trust of money. Paul says the solution to being mastered by money is you got to learn to be a giver. That's it. You got to give. You got to be a giver. And so again, I want to say this, that giving is not a, a, a problem of having something to give. Giving is a problem of the heart. It's either you're generous or you're not. You're a giver or you're not. Amen? And so I think, first of all, he says, listen, you gotta, you gotta be generous. Quit being a scrooge. Quit being a, 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 you know, a miser and, you know, all that stuff. And first Timothy 6.18 says, tell them to use their money to do good. Tell them. And so Paul says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works. And generous to those in need and ready to share with others. So Paul says the solution to keeping free from the control and trust of money is to be a generous giver. And I think it's, it's a major key. And you know, Tanya and I were talking about, um, had this conversation and about this couple, and they, they just seem like they're the ones always holding the bag. Like, you know, somebody gets up and goes to the bathroom whenever the waitress brings the, you know, the, the you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I got to go. I got a potty, you know. I had a friend like that growing up. He's like, he never had his wallet with him whenever we had to go buy something, you know. But, you know, whenever we get to think about it, we thought, look, man, it's true. People seem to be leaning on them all the time for them to pick up the tab. And they have a, they're willing to do it. But man, what else we noticed is that God keeps pouring into their lap. God keeps blessing them. It's like, man, maybe that's why God keeps blessing them because he knows that they're going to help people, that they're a giver that they're going to use their money for good. Come on, I'm preaching at you this morning. Come on, are y'all out there? And so I think that we got to learn to be givers if we're not going to be controlled by money and live under financial stress all our lives. Amen? Now, there's three biblical avenues that God has given us to be givers. And the first one is tithing. That's the tenth. The first fruits of your increase. And so Leviticus 27.30 says, One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or the fruit of the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart from Him 
for him as holy. And see, people make a big deal about that, about tithing, like it's, 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 um, you know, it's not New Testament, it's Old Testament, and we've been relieved from the law and all that. The Bible says tithing is to teach us to reverence the Lord. It's to teach us to honor the Lord. Because we always have our money trying to pull our heart one way. And money, I mean, listen, it's demonically influenced, man. It'll take you down the road, whether you love Jesus or not. Amen? And the Lord knows that, so He says, listen, whenever you harvest that first ten ears of corn, bring one to the temple so that you don't get too puffed up and arrogant and think you're the man because you got all these ears of corn. And so that you don't go chasing the dollar bills to the point that it, it plunges you into destruction. So the first one is tithing. we got to learn to tithe. Amen? Come on, say a better amen than that. And listen, by the way, don't quit tithing because of the economy. Amen? Don't let fear grip you and, 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 and stop honoring the Lord. Stop paying taxes. No, I didn't say that. No. <laughs> we got to erase this off the recording, okay? Because y'all see me on Channel 3 News. Pastor arrested for teaching his congregation to avoid taxes. Okay, let's go to the next. <laughs> let's go to the next biblical avenue of giving, and it's offerings. An offering is anything that you give over and above the tithe to help finance and further the kingdom of God. You see, and, and, and I believe that God will honor that. You know, He doesn't need our money to spread His gospel everywhere, but He uses our money to spread His gospel everywhere. Amen? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Man, that's a good passage right there. And so, you know, it's like if I gave you a cup full of corn seeds, and you ate them all, you would be hungry tomorrow. But if you took some and you planted them, and you nursed that seed, that seed's going to come, you're going to have a bunch of cups of seeds. Amen? And then you could keep planting some seeds, and you'll have some to eat, some to give away, and, and you'll have a multiplied crop. And that's the principle. The principle of Giving is like sowing and reaping. And so I believe that if we will help finance the kingdom of God, God, you know, I think of this story all the time whenever I talk about money in church. The Bible tells a story about Jesus was sitting at the temple and he was watching the offering boxes. And a few people came in there and they dumped their bag full of money and this little widow came stumbling to the box. And she threw in one penny. 
And the Lord said, oh, my goodness. Oh, my Lord. This lady's incredible. All them other people, they gave their access. They tipped God. This lady gave everything, man. So I look at that and I say, you know what? Whenever I help people, whenever I help missionaries, whenever I help plant churches, whenever I do that, God is watching the offering boxes. Amen. And, and, and I think he can handle the, the economy for me. Amen. Let me move on. The last one is alms. And that's anything and over anything over and above the tithe that's given to help the poor, the innocent, widows, and the orphans. And listen what this verse says, Proverbs 19, 17. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. So those are three biblical avenues of giving. And you know, you could give to a bunch of different organizations around town. If you watch TV enough, you find a lot of things to give to. But these are biblical fields, if you would. That the Lord says, if you plant seed in these fields, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to help you stay free from the control, the love, and the stress of money. Because see, you can you could do the first two things. You could do the first two points. But if you don't do the third point, you could still live under financial stress because it's a hard problem. And you got to get your heart right before anything else. So you can, you can watch your spending and you could be a miser man and you could be as frugal as can be. And man, you don't waste one penny. You could plan for the future and you could save money for unexpected and expected expenses and do really good and still sit home with money in the bank and live stressed out. Because it's, it's a spiritual situation. That can only be resolved. With God's solution. The solution is being a giver. Amen. Y'all receive this word this morning. Amen. Once you stand and let's close in prayer. Let me. Let me just ask this probing question. As you just sit there. Just close your eyes for just a moment. Are you under financial stress? If you're not, congratulations. Praise be the Lord. Amen? Just remember, 78% of the population will have an unexpected expense that they're not prepared for in the next 10 years. But if you're not under financial stress, that's really great. But I want to ask you this question to help relieve you from the, from the burden of financial stress. Can you control your spending? Can, can you watch how you spend what money the Lord does give you? Maybe the Lord is just wanting to say, man, you just need to, you need to become a little bit more frugal. You just need a, a little bit more self-control. Maybe... Maybe you've been motivated to spend because you, you are trying to keep up with the Joneses or you are trying to find your identity in what you wear or what you drive or what you live in and stuff like that. And the Lord is saying, man, listen, don't live under that pressure. I just want you to be free. I just want you to be released from that. 
maybe the Lord is just wanting you to be wise and not spend everything you got and start saving a little bit for those unexpected expenses that that hit us at different times and places. Or maybe you're here today and you've done well in those first two points, but you're still stressed out. You're still fearful. And that fear and that stress is causing you to be causing you to be stingy and not allowing you to be very generous. And the Lord is wanting to set you free. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Can you just make a decision right now that you're not going to be mastered by money. You're not going to put your trust in money. You're not going to be controlled by money. But you're going to just give it all to the Lord. And you're going you're gonna to be a giver. You're not going to be a miser. Father God, I pray your grace right now be released in this place. God, I pray that you'd bring comfort, bring strength, bring... And Lord, I just stand in agreement with everybody that's in this room, Lord. That even in this economy, that Lord, we won't be gripped with fear. We won't be overly stressed and bottled up, Lord. But God, you're going to protect our heart because, Lord, we, we love you. We trust you. And, Lord, we believe that, God, you're going to provide for us every step of the way. That, Lord, you're going to make sure that we have a meal to eat. And that, Lord, you're going to cause us, Lord, to prosper. Lord, we believe that today. That, Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh, not the government, not, not our economy. Lord, not the oil field. You are our God. And we're putting our faith and our trust in you today. Thank you, Lord. You're releasing your power, your presence, and your grace in this room today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you that the peace of God is flooding every heart and every life right now. In Jesus' name. Now listen, if you're here today and you've never surrendered your heart and your life to God, listen, before you can experience the peace of God, you have to be in peace with God. And maybe you've never surrendered your life. You've never asked Him to forgive your sins. You've never really surrendered your heart to Him. And today you say, Todd, I need to do that. I want to be a Christian. I want to live for Christ. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just indicate that by raising your hand? Just lift it up so I can see it. And I want to pray a special prayer for you. Just raise it high. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. So that we we can pray that prayer together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, how many of you believe He can provide? How many of you believe He will provide? How many of you believe He's going to provide for all our needs? Come on, let's make that declaration. Come on. The oil industry is not our provider. Come on, let's declare that. Let's, let's affirm our commitment in our heart before the Lord. And let's pray right now for God's provision. Let's pray right now for God's grace to be upon us on every business and every job that is represented here, every economy, every bank account. Lord, we're looking to you today. You are Jehovah Jireh. And we put our faith and our trust in you. And we ask you, Lord, to keep the windows of heaven open for us and to provide everything that we need. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for being our God that we can rely on and we can count on. In the mighty and the strong name of Jesus, I pray and everybody that agreed said amen.